Welcome to Sci-Fi Tech Talk, the podcast where we explore the technology of sci-fi. I'm Julie Keel, and with me today is Jeff Sire. Hello, everybody. And Mike McPeak. Hello. This week we're going to be covering a video game. I think this is a first for Sci-Fi Tech Talk. But we're covering the game XCOM and XCOM Enemy Unknown. And XCOM is a science fiction video game franchise featuring the titular fictional elite international organization tasked with countering alien invasions of Earth. Cool. <laughs> well, this is the first time we've covered a video game, solely a video game. We've done... Uh, we did, yeah, Halo. Halo for, forward until dawn. But, I mean, that was a movie based on the game. Right. We're doing right. the actual game. And before we get into the actual you know, content of it, you know, because when Jeff said this, I mean, I started playing the game. I've gotten a little bit into it. I've seen a few of the the cutscenes that are in here. But, you know, when he said that somebody had taken the cutscenes and made a movie, I'm kind of going, okay, this ought to be interesting. And when I watched the first one, the second one, I think they kind of cut a few scenes out and would have been better. But I was kind of okay. surprised the first one, when you put all the cutscenes together, it's not one of the worst movies you've ever seen, Starship Troopers. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and but I mean, I thought you know, it, I found it kind of interesting. There was enough of a story there that you know, it kind of flowed. It kind of seemed like a movie. Um, yeah. You know, take it with a grain of salt. Like I say, it's cutscenes from a video game, but uh, I thought it it was you know, it was what about a half hour, slightly over. Yeah, but I, I will confess that I didn't watch the second one completely because time. But yeah, yeah, so basically, I'm only running off that first cutscene one, and I totally feel like I watched a movie and understand a story. Obviously, I've got, yeah. like, the bullet points. You know, it's not all fleshed out. But I got the gist of what was going on and who the characters were and what the challenges were and the weapons and how you could play a video game around it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a decent story. And, uh, yeah, like, uh, it's not just, like, uh, Space Invaders <laughs> where, you know, aliens are coming and you have to shoot them with your little, you know, ping-pong paddle. Uh, there's a there's a there's a story arc. There's reasons for why things are happening, and then in, you know, the, uh, especially in the the first XCOM, there's a big twist at the end. Uh, we should also say that XCOM has been around for a long time. Like this is goes back to I think the first one was in the early '90s, and then um, they, there's been several games, and then the ones that we're ta- going to be dealing with, the ones we're talking about, are XCOM. XCOM and Enemy Unknown and XCOM uh, 2 that just came out, uh, I guess, in December, November, December. So uh, that's kind of like uh, the, the three that are kind of like a reboot of the whole kind of uh, game system. Yeah, and on YouTube, I came across this video, 107 Facts About XCOM. I don't remember all 107. If I remember one or two, I'll be doing good. But um, one of the things, well, like I said, I bought the game, and what kind of drew me to it was the fact that it was from, uh, I think the developer was Fire Axis, um, which also is the developer for a game that I've loved for a long time, Civilization. And watching this video... Uh, the guy that developed XCOM, he developed this board game, not the one... There is a board game out there based on XCOM, but that's not it. He developed one, and he played it with Sid Meier's, who is the, the the guy that came up with the Civilization stuff. And so he kind of used... Uh, played games with him to test it out to make the game work. 
Uh, yeah. And I thought that was kind of neat to have, you know, somebody like Sid Myers who's done this sort of strategy game help uh, play it with him and help tweak your game. Yeah, and these are turn-based strategy games, so that's not uh, the action isn't going on simultaneously. You make your moves, and the enemy makes their moves, and it it uh, goes back and forth, kind of like chess or checkers or a game like that. Yeah, well, yeah, from what I could tell, too. Well, one of the things again, not having played the game and not having seen the entire movie, I'm you know operating at a deficit here, but. <laughs> the the world it created the aliens it created the scenario it created was damn cool <laughs> um, yeah. they they had uh, uh, an entire again from what I understand of it which is limited there was a a spaceship that came and it didn't just have one type of alien on it it had I don't know what a dozen or something. Yeah. So there were different kinds of aliens that you fought. And as I was watching that, I'm thinking, wow, that just really doesn't happen much where we bring, where we deal with multiple types of aliens. You know, like, think about yeah. uh, if we were to go to the stars, you know, we might take dogs and cats and cows and pigs and, you know, whatever. So we'd have, you know, multiple types of life forms um, on board, perhaps. But a lot of times when science fiction is dealing with alien invasions, it's like, you know, one. Yeah, one kind of alien. Um, and that's it. And so yeah. I thought that was really cool that there was this um, menagerie of, of aliens that we were dealing with. And they have a good explanation for that. Like if you go if you go right to the end, and now I have to admit that I didn't watch the cutscenes because I played the whole game multiple times, so I know the, <laughs> knew the story. But uh, one of the reasons why I suggested this in the first place was the uh, when I got to the end of the game the first time, I was there's kind of a surprise ending. And again, if you haven't played this game and you want to be surprised, you shouldn't listen to this part because we are going to spoil it. But it's um, the ending is very similar to Arthur C. Clarke's book Childhood's End, where you find out that the aliens are here primarily to kind of advance the human race because they see something in the human race that we can evolve to a higher level that they're incapable of doing. Right. And that's why they have all of these different types of aliens because the other aliens that they have are failed attempts at uh, trying to evolve the uh, each of the races they've kind of assimilated uh, to try and get them to evolve to this higher level. And uh, then in the end, they are able to kind of force... Uh, uh, the XCOM team into a situation where you're one guy, which I think they call him, what do they call him? The candidate or something like that. And he's a psionically gifted guy. You have to select one guy to be your, uh, I can't think of the name, but he's your he's your kind of, uh, your main guy that you're, you're putting forward. And he has to survive to the end. And because when he gets to the end, he sacrifices himself. He evolves to this higher level and destroys all of the aliens at the end in, in a successful uh, playthrough. Uh, if you don't, then uh, the, you end up enslaved. And the XCOM, uh, XCOM 2, uh, that story picks up 20 years later after a failed... Uh, XCOM mission. So if you played the first one through and failed it, it assumes that the uh, you know continues on for twenty years, and that's where XCOM two picks up. And uh, the world has been enslaved for the past twenty years by the uh, aliens. Well, and then the, uh, and like I said, I did watch all uh, the cutscenes to the end, and it looks like at the end of XCOM two, uh, the, what they were trying to do is trying to evolve 
the humans because they needed hosts for the uh, uh, I've forgotten the names of the uh, yeah yeah the elder of, aliens uh, yeah. yeah anyway they needed host bodies because their bodies were dying and right. so that's why they because uh, you know they were doing it under the duplicity of uh, you know come into the gene center and uh, we'll make you a better person and yeah they were seeking out <laughs> candidates and. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Well, I just again not being all that well versed in this whole universe, but there was one thing I noticed that some of these candidates they were being you know cybernetically enhanced. They were being biomechanical beings eventually, and at least in, the, in some of the cutscenes that I saw, um, they were obviously human or at least human appearing. But even like their arms and legs, they didn't they didn't have like exoskeletons or you know whatever. They had been replaced. I mean entirely replaced with mechanical because you had like the the shape of them was I want to say hollow, but that doesn't give quite the right picture. But uh, there there was no flesh there, and it was obvious that their actual human limbs had been removed and replaced with mechanical ones. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of a yeah. commitment. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the uh, things in the first XCOM game is you can can develop two different types of technology, which then you can advance in parallel. One is psionics, so your your guys can develop all these mental abilities, and the other one is... um, uh, I think I think they call it augmentation, where your your guys go into it and they more or less uh, they graft them into a, make them into a cyborg, and then depending on the suit that you send them out with, you can equip the suit with different weapons. Um, but you can't, uh, at least the way I play it, uh, there might be another way to to play it because it has a uh, a lot of. Uh, ways you can modify the game but you can't can never cross those two guys so once you send a guy and determine that guy has psionic abilities he can not then be put into a uh an augmented suit and vice versa yeah the augmented suits were interesting because um you know we see those frequently matter of fact in real life too i mean they exist it's yeah. not like this is fiction um but there are, you know, I, I go back to the one in Iron Man that uh, I think it was Jeff Bridges, right? Anyway, oh. um, who climbed into it? It's kind of this thing, or even in the movie Star- Starship Troopers. I'm quoting oh, Starship Troopers, Jesus. Anyway, but you crawled into it. You know, it basically surrounded you like, you know, a down parka in the middle of the Dakotas in the winter. Um, whereas the ones that were being depicted in this XCOM universe, again, it, it didn't. you didn't just slip into it. You were it. Um, right. it, um, it they sounded like they had internal and external, but they like I say at least one of the pictures they they showed just kind of I looked at it close and went whoa that's not an exoskeleton that's like limb replacement um, yeah. so yeah some of the abilities that you get with those suits are like amazing you you can turn your guy in like if if you're in in a scenario that has what has wide open terrain and no cover you can actually turn those guys suits into cover so one guy you know the guy can run out he can form uh high cover and then one of your other soldiers can go behind him and use him as cover uh they can have these special uh boots so they can jump up to second and third levels uh, stories on buildings and uh 
can uh, equip them with grenade launchers, and those abilities are all like built into them. And then they get a gun that they can carry on top of that. But yeah, all of these things are just different ways you can trick out the suits that they're kind of living in. Well, that's kind of what you call a commitment. I mean, you're just not <laughs> strapping right. on a suit. Yeah, um, yeah that, and, and that was what, uh, again, watching it, it just struck me that that's, you know, it's not like you, you slide into that suit for duty and then go home afterwards. <laughs> you know, you uh, you is it all the time, 24-7. You are, you are, you know, you are, that is what you are. <laughs> Um, so that, which is an interesting take. A lot of times when we talk about cyborg and hu- human enhancement and you know, Borg, whatever, um, it's always to kind of. There's always this kind of. I don't know. It, 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 you don't. You never really think about. I guess we even talked about it with the Expanse, where the guy had kind of like the bionic eye, uh, which I found out in a sense is absolute f- truth. Um, they have those already, <laughs> um, but the fact that they're kind of what am I looking for here? They're surreptitious that you, that you you can kind of try to be normal. You can try to go on with your life with these you know enhancements that you've made. Well, in this case, the the enhancements go way beyond that. That's I mean, this is not. Nothing, nothing normal about these folks when they're done. So, right. Yeah. Well, they're certainly not subtle by any means. Mm-mm. Well, and you and we kind of saw that with the the aliens too. They had uh, specialized, and they were made up, you know, of different races, but still they had the people that was specialized. Because I'm not remembering all of them, but one was basically uh, kind of like a tank. Uh, another one was like a berserker, where it just you know was uncontrolled, um, you know, anger. Uh, and then you had like the the what the thin men they were more they were the more so, uh uh oh the mental ones not sonic but the psyops or psyops there we go well it's not actually psyops it's oh, uh, psyon yeah. whatever brain so, power psyops, there we go. yeah there we go telekinesis uh, and stuff be, yeah yeah that kind of stuff well but then they also had the uh, sectoids was that the ones uh they yeah. threw a lot of names at I me mean, I'm trying remember but yeah they seemed to be the ones that had the, the more mental power they were scrawny little creatures they had like no defenses for themselves they needed other creatures around them to protect them but if they could get yeah. the, uh, basically their head into your head you were kind of like you know sol because um, yeah. then you could turn on your own people and attack you so you know it was a lot of specialization there and you know on their part it was because they had absorbed all these uh different species with different powers but we were doing it to our own people but you know basically we were specializing too uh to a degree because you could have yeah either the uh uh psionic people or you could have the uh warriors i guess you would say yeah gameplay wise it totally sucks when they mind control one of your, the guys on your team because these team members uh they're constant you you upgrade them and make them better and train them and then they get promoted and they get better and better and then all of a sudden you've got this guy that you invested all this time and effort into he gets mind controlled and he's in the middle of your team you can't put anybody on overwatch because if they see him move they they just view him as an enemy and they'll just shoot him so you don't want him to die you don't have any way to subdue him <laughs> so it becomes this look whenever 
whenever that happens to me, the first thing I do is determine the guy that's mind controlling him, and every single guy on my team has to kill that guy, <laughs> so I can get my uh, my mind controlled guy back. Yeah, because you know, like I said, I played the game a little bit, and I thought that was kind of interesting. You're not just you know, it's not like uh, they are pieces on a chessboard, but you get to know each piece and they have names and you and you know you uh, develop and and you can de- decide do you want them to have this power or that power you are basically building a bunch of uh characters troops on your team and yeah, yeah and like I say and I have gotten to the point where I had a pretty good guy and then you know I just don't play well and I put him someplace and went crap he's dead uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I got other ways to go you know to learn that game and even watching that video they were talking about that it can be pretty brutal in spots, yeah. I haven't gotten that far to find that out yet. But you know, uh, I did find that rather interesting, though, because, like I say, a lot of these games you just you just have characters or you know people you're moving around. But like I said, you actually have to build. You get to pick and choose how you want your characters, your the people in your squad to develop. And the the new one, you you can assign your guys uh, uh, different uh, languages. So, like, I can pick a guy and change his nationality, make sure his nationality is Canadian, give him a French name and have him <laughs> speak French. So I can have my English Canadians and my French Canadians, and then I can, uh, you know, uh, incorporate whoever you want in. And if you get somebody that, uh, you know, you don't like, you can swap them out or, or whatever. Like, it, you have a... You have a I think uh, in the first game they, they determined people really like to customize... The people's background it's in and like it doesn't matter to the game what uh, to gameplay what nationality your people your team is but i think they they've determined that people really like to do that because they made it a lot more customizable and again like it doesn't matter doesn't make any difference doesn't make your people any better but uh yeah it just adds a lot of flavor to your gameplay interesting twist i mean because that's something they don't have to do no no not at all and uh, you can change uh, you can change their names too, so you can name everybody after you know all all your friends or whatever, and then watch them die horribly. <laughs> Actually, I did that for a while when I started the new one, when I had the ability to change people's names, and I was like, oh, I don't like this, you know, because like I named everybody, and there was like, oh, my wife's d- dead now, and I don't like that, so <laughs> I stopped doing that. Oh dear, this, this may be a peek in the Jeff psyche here or something. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, also, it's it's very disturbing to say, "Oh, Jeff Sire has been been killed." Like, oh no, no, I don't want to die. <laughs> so. I'm still here, really, really. Yeah, am. yeah it. Yeah. Tell me about the spaceships, um, because from the the cutscenes that I saw, there really were only two. There was, you know, Planet Earth had like one, and the aliens had like one, and they weren't evenly matched maybe we had two because it's like we had one and it got wiped out pretty quickly and then we had built another one or something so tell me about the spaceships on this one the aliens have these giant spaceships that just kind of which is another kind of similarity to arthur c Clarke's book childhoods and uh where the spaceship just kind of sits over uh, a city or just one spot on earth and just kind of parks itself there and that's kind of your final destination like once you go through all of the lower stuff you end up there and uh the XCOM guys in the first game are flying around and they're they're covertly funded by all of the different world governments and in the second game uh because you've you know it it assumes the aliens have been in charge of the have been running the earth for 20 years you're on a stolen 
enemy ship that you're flying around and uh, you're covertly trying to um, go after the aliens. And again, they have these uh, uh, big sh- big ships that you eventually make your way to and your final kind of uh, boss battle is against uh, uh, he's on one of these massive ships. They're well, like city-sized ships. Yeah, well, and watching the cutscenes for XCOM 2, I kind of, the, the ship they were on reminded me of the one from uh, the Avengers, the Flying Fortress deal. Yeah. And all I could think yeah. of was Independence Day. Well, yeah, actually, or, the, the alien city-sized ships oh, yeah. are kind of like Independence Day. They're massive city-sized ships like that. Yeah. Or what was the other one, V? Didn't they have oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. yeah, that's a good analogy. It's also going a ways back in history. But I know. <laughs> it was on TV not that long ago. Well, okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> Enough out of you. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting to me that they did come up with a universe where, and you mentioned this earlier, about the aliens needed each other. They're, they're, which reminded me, having read through the entire Rama series, it reminded me of some of the aliens on there. And matter of fact, I still remember watching, I know everybody hates the prequel Star Wars things, but I still remember the very first time I saw Jar Jar Binks and Boss Nass next to each other thinking, how on God's earth would you ever have thought that those two were the same species? Um, so, you know, the idea that it that there were species that um, were very different from each other, but needed each other. Um, and so, you know, to recognize that they were kind of intertwined and, and dependent upon each other um, so that, you know, you weren't just... And there, and there didn't seem to be, like, a weakest link either. Like, if you only wipe, if you wiped out all of these kinds and the rest would just, you know, be gone, it seemed like they very much were you know, all kind of capable of their own... You, you, know, you mean there was no no brain bugs? Yeah, basically, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because, I mean, the way it was first described, it sounded like the tall, you know, wizardly-looking things would just be like the easy target. You know, take those out and, and, you know, you're done. But not so much. Yeah, they're not uh, the easiest things to kill. (laughs) No, and it's not like the rest of them just, you know, like clones, you know, when you deactivate the, the clone ship that they all just drop over, so... Yeah, it was an interesting universe. It really, really was. Um. Well, I, I got to say that they put a lot of time and thought into developing, you know, a game that, and like I, said, I haven't gotten very far, but it just seems like it, you know, it seems to work together. And just watching the rest of the cutscenes there, um, like I say, they put some thought into it that you just don't throw things out there. It's not like you get a bigger gun and you can kill more. You gotta, you think yeah. this through. There, there is strategy to it. It, it is a strategy game, so. Yeah, and you kind of have to keep, you have to balance a whole lot of things. Like you have to continually be developing new new technology because as the game advances, if you don't have the better weapons when you go up against some of the tougher guys, you'll just get wiped out completely. But then you can't invest too much into just research or then you won't be able to outfit your guys well enough just for the missions they're doing right now. So That was an interesting play. I, I really appreciated that was the... Uh, the partnership and a little bit of the competition between the the research folks and the engineering folks. Yeah, they do that in both of the games. They have uh, 
They have the research uh, scientist. So you have you have two groups that you're kind of managing both of them. One is the research scientists, and the other is the engineers. And the essentially the scientists are researching new technologies, and the engineers are building this stuff. And uh, uh, but just because the scientists have developed the technology doesn't mean the engineers can build the stuff right away for you. You have to, you know, spend a certain amount of money for them to do their prototypes, and then before it's, you know, into production, sort of thing. Yeah, and and I thought it was a fair representation of kind of how that works too. That you know, you kind of need both. It's it's one thing to to dissect aliens and try and figure out how they're working. And it's uh, there was definitely one in the cutscenes where they had found this, for lack of a better term, I'll call it a gem crystal or something. And the scientists were like, well, we've decided, we've discovered that it's like magnetic of some sort and we don't really understand it and whatever. And the engineer goes, yeah, it's an antenna. Um, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so I, I really did appreciate that kind of play between those two groups because I think it's legit. And I think that's what... Um, I mean, that's what you see even in, like, everything goes back to Star Trek, you know, where, you know, the, the engineering, Scotty's like, yeah, I'm giving her all she's got, you know. Um, and even in The Next Generation, you saw some of that with Geordi uh, trying to, you know, be the difference between, uh, I remember the Leah Brahms episodes where, she, you know, she'd be talking theory and Geordi'd and be gotten, talking, yeah, we're out here in space. It's kind of not exactly like that. We had to do this just to make it work, you know. So um, it, it's that to me was something that didn't, it, it added, to me, it added a lot to the story and probably to the game um, that, and it, it would have been easy to kind of leave that out. Um, or, or combine the two and not make that tension between the two um, as part of the game, basically. Um, right. So I well, thought and, that was kind of cool. Well, and I realize this is just cutscenes from a video game, but actually, I kind of thought they got the 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 dynamic between you know research and development um, pretty good because better than some movies because you know sometimes you, egos will come into play and you know we deserve more because we're better and but you know in, in here you know i wish like it's there would be more shows that do it that way but there was this we have this idea we have this idea where we work it out you know they, they, there's cooperation there you know um they don't have the massive egos uh that you know sometimes you see in some of these um movies that we watch yeah, and you wonder how much, you know, fighting a common enemy like, you know, a, a horde of aliens might set egos aside for a while. Then again, maybe not. Well, that'll probably be the one thing that will finally unite humanity is, you know, getting us all together to kill something else. Right. Yep. That, Look, and, we can finally get along with each other. As long <laughs> as we're being something. attacked. Yeah, right. and as soon yeah. as you stop, and then we'll just go back to infighting. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of interesting. I, I we should like... probably just we should probably just be annihilated right now. Just, <laughs> probably better for better for everybody else. So. Gee, of... thank you, Mister Sunshine. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's dark. If you guys can't get along, you know. <laughs> if you keep doing this, we just why, why can't we have good nice things? Yeah, really. No kidding. Uh it's interesting to me this this whole this, I don't know you tell me I'm I'm not a video game expert by any means I barely play them um, 
but I, you know, this one's kind of cool from a science fiction perspective. I mean, I know there are plenty of video games set in science fiction universes, but this one struck me as being a little out of the ordinary for that. I mean, it, it wasn't totally just, you know, shoot the aliens. Um, and it, it, there was that story behind it. So, I don't know. Jeff, am I out of, off base there? No, I, I, like, uh, I don't think it's totally unique, but it's... I, I haven't seen too many games like this. Most games that are set in, you know, like a science fiction environment are you're in the future and there's an alien race. They're the bad guys. Go and kill them. Right. And this was uh, a lot more. And like, even times where you have like, OK, the aliens are invading us. You have to protect us and kill them. You know, this was just kind of like, especially once you play it through to the end and you get the the whole overview of what's really been going on this whole time. I thought it was a really neat story. Like the aliens um they sort of become a lot they become less of uh the horror show that you thought they were and they're like okay well they're here for a reason like they're they're doing this a terrible they're doing a terrible thing but you can see that they're not just coming here to extinct us they're coming here to try and make us into this uh, uh because they feel that they can kind of force us to evolve to this higher level and uh they've been trying to do this for they don't say how long, but it's it's it seems like a very very long time they've been working at this, and they've you know still haven't been successful, but they're still working at it, and uh, yeah, like I I think it is um, you know it certainly incorporates the there's the alien you have to figure out how to kill them, um, but they have uh, because of the they, because they have the different uh, racial alien types that they've incorporated you have a variety of of uh, a thing you have a, a variety of ways you have to kill them like you have uh, uh, which requires you know some some strategic thinking like you have the aliens that have psionics you have some of the aliens that uh, have ranged weapons and some are only just melee fighters um, you have you definitely uh, have to think strategically when you're moving forward because I'm sure Mike has found this like you yeah. you very quickly find out like your guy goes a little bit too far like oh oh I'm dead oh not just him oh we're all dead yeah you know? okay. I, I've been there that's yeah. kind of yeah and like I say and I was just kind of wondering you know I had, like I, said, I haven't played it far enough uh, as you play do your missions are your missions pretty much the same but how you play them um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is because I played a lot of Civilization, so you start out basically, and wherever, whatever you decide to do, kind of is how the story goes. Is this one more? Uh, I mean, is there like a, as you play through, do you have pretty much the same missions, and then how you play determines whether you advance or not, or is there a, more of a free form to it? You have kind of the the bulk of your missions are the generic ones, and they'll have like uh, I guess maybe there's four or five different types of them. Like uh, you have to rescue this person, or you have to retrieve this piece of information, or you have to uh, uh, blow up this transmitter, or you have to prevent this transmitter from being blown up, or th that kind of thing. And then you have the uh, missions that advance the the story. Like in the first X, are you playing XCOM or XCOM Two? XCOM, the first one. I haven't. The first one? Okay. Yeah. So you've had the one where you have to go to China and rescue uh, that guy, Chen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think like, I've made it that far. Okay. Yeah, I remember yeah, rescuing. That's fairly that's wrong. That's one of the ones that that's a plot point because you have to rescue this guy 
and uh, I don't, I don't know if you can actually continue the story if if uh, he dies. Yeah, uh, yeah, I because don't think you do. Yeah, you have to. So you have to rescue that guy, and then that like once you've passed that kind of threshold, then you're into another a new section of the story, and the story advances from there. So they have these kind of uh, uh, certain missions that are related to uh, plot. Like there's another one where you have to uh, um, set these beacons on a train, and uh, in the first one, and you know you have to kind of it's it's a it's a unique mission that you'll never see that mission again. Uh, where with this you know train and you have to go and de- uh, activate these special pylons as you go and then once that mission is complete completed successfully then that enables you to go on to the next story point um, and that's really kind of the two different types of missions you have the you know the random uh, missions that come from like a like a a random pool and then you have these set ones that once you reach uh, certain story points that'll give you uh, the opportunity to do these missions and generally those ones you don't have to do immediately uh, it'll say okay well we've got this uh, mission coming and you need to uh, do it just let us know when you're ready so you can do some other missions to get ready get yourself get your team ready and then uh, or maybe you have some guys that are uh, in the hospital healing <laughs> and yeah. so once they're once you're all ready then you can go and take on one of these story point missions and then kind of advance to the next level and with the final mission of going up to the main alien ship and your one uh guy the can the candidate or whatever he is that uh, he sacrifices himself at the end of that and uh then you have the cut scene about how the the whole game ends okay yeah because see i was kind of curious about because i haven't made it far enough to really test it out and like I say since uh this one and civilization are both from the same developers that's kind of why I, I bought XCOM, and i saw that it does have certain parts of the civilization uh aspect where you do have to you know do you want to spend your uh your money here or things are here or there on research or do you want to build stuff or you know there's that balance there's that strategy now like in civilization you know there is no uh, in XCOM, it looks like it's a story on rails, basically. You have a certain amount of uh, you, a decision that uh, latitude that you can play, uh, you can use while playing the game, but you do kind of have to f- follow along uh, a story arc as you go. Whereas Civilization, you can decide to be peaceful, you can be a warrior. I mean, you it's, it's kind of like a, a blank storyboard, but there is kind of a, a structure to XCOM. Um, yeah that you kind of follow and that's what i was kind of wondering how freeform was not that it takes away yeah. anything from the game but i was just curious no. and in xcom there's really just one way to win xcom uh whereas in like uh civilization you have multiple ways right. to win you can win by domination you can win by politics you can win by religion i think and you can win by yeah. a whole different bunch of different ways right oh yeah there's like five or six different ways i think you yeah. can yeah do that a question about the weapons in XCOM. I, yep. The, the cutscenes talked about essentially some, at least some of the aliens' anatomy was analogous to humans. You know, they had nervous systems, so it sounded like they were using stun guns or something on them. Um, what what kind of weapons did the aliens and or humans use in this game? There wasn't much of that in the cutscenes. At the start of both of the games, you start out with. Uh, the humans start out with conventional weapons, so they have like normal bullets and all this other stuff. And then 
one of the things you're developing is uh, you're improving your technology so you can get better weapons. The aliens generally start out with some sort of plasma weapons, and the aliens' weapons never improve. So what happens is at the low end, you meet aliens who are fairly weak and have uh, crappier weapons, but they're always, at the start, they're better than yours. But as you meet new alien types, they'll have better weapons. So it's not like the, the aliens that you meet at first, they will all have, always have these crappier uh, weapons, even if you run into them right at the end of the game. Whereas um, once you you know play for a while, oh, you meet this new type of alien who also has, you know, he's tougher and he has better better weapons. So that's how they kind of, you know, kind of upgun the aliens is that you just meet these newer and tougher and better armed guys. Whereas you start off, your team starts off with conventional weapons, and then you develop uh, very early on in the, in the second game anyways, you develop magnetic weapons. Um, I think it's modular magnetic weapons, which involves your sniper rifles become like Gauss rifles. So they have uh, their magnetic coil weapons. And then I think there's plasma and that's kind of similar to the first game as well. You conventional weapons, and then uh, there's something else in the middle, and then plasma. I think plasma is the best on both games. Well, I would say, you know, like I say, from what I've seen, uh, when you start playing the games, you're meeting like the frontline troops. But as you start to get through them, you start to get into the more, you know, the elite groups, uh, the be- better trained groups. So, yeah, I think that's kind of how they do it with the aliens. Like I say, it doesn't seem like their tech changes much. But, yeah, you just uh, you're working your way through the lines to the the tougher troops. Yeah. And then in both games, at one point, you meet the aliens that have uh, psionics, and that's like a whole like those guys don't even carry weapons at all. All of the, all of the offensive uh, things that they do are all related to their psionics. So, by the time you meet those guys, your first couple of fights, you might not have guys with psionics, but you want to quickly get guys who have psionics in order to deal with those guys. So. Yeah, and that was an interesting bit too. Um, the whole psionics thing, it was obvious from the beginning that the aliens had that. And a huge research push was for the humans to figure out that. And at the end, you talk about the chosen one or whatever you want to call them, um, basically develops those psionic powers, if I understand it correctly. Um, that's, That's an interesting thing <laughs> um, that, that you know I don't know exactly how the game plays it out but the whole idea that you know they, they, they put these aliens in a holding cell that had to you know not only stop them physically but had to stop some sort of brain power wave thingies that they had going on too um, so the the idea that they were essentially dissecting and it, and for a long time they were dissecting dead aliens which of course that's not going to help you much with you know brain power stuff so they had to uh, capture live aliens to try and work through the the brain power thing and then you know reverse engineer that technology and then embed it in humans which is like a massive undertaking good grief <laughs> i don't know how you know the the time span of the xcom universe but I, that's not really something i think you can do in like oh an 18 month war or anything you know um, yeah and that's pretty much what it is is yeah. uh, like you only cover maybe 
one to maybe a maximum of three years. I don't, yeah, it doesn't go very fast. Yeah, that's that was the one thing I saw that was like, oh, really? Um, okay, it's a video game, sure. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Somebody else weighs in. I was gonna say he doesn't like it either. <laughs> but Must yeah, have been an ups man or something. Yeah, yeah I suppose the the UPS trucks is in the neighborhood. Or, that'll do it every time. Or was it an alien? Yeah, <gasps> it's oh. that's it. It's the ships. <laughs> Speaking of psionics, they're landing in Canada. <laughs> yeah, somebody set off my dog right on cue. Same as always. Have a podcast. We'll have dog bark. Anyway. But, yeah, so what else are we missing from this universe that is science fiction-y? Um, oh, uh, the armor that they have, they oh. that gets better. And, and the, that's something that uh, um, is, you know, related to real life. Like, uh, you know, we used to have medieval suits of armor, and then as we developed firearms, that kind of, got more and more useless and then with the advent of artillery we kind of went back to helmets and now we're kind of swinging back the other way where you know we're giving our soldiers more and more body armor and uh um you know making them more and more survivable you know and uh in the game it's similar to that you uh you start out in both of the games where your guys just have minimal amount of body armor and then you can develop technology where they have better plated suits and then you can uh, in the first XCOM game you can actually do uh, dermal I think it's dermal implants or something like that so your your guys become physically harder so like they can actually absorb some it's like they have armor built into their bodies and stuff yeah so. yeah I remember that cutscene yep yeah yeah that that kind of reminded me a bit of Starship Troopers the book um, or yeah, the book where they were dealing with the the exosuits and the fact that you yeah. don't just put them on, you know, it, it is a process to um, even the movie I think dealt with that. It's a process to understand them and build up the physical skills, strength in order to manipulate them. So that kind of came through in in the cutscenes that I saw. Um, the whole idea that. That the the development of both the armor and the people to wield it um, was something that you know took time. Which you know that's the one thing that a lot of times uh, science fiction and video games, especially, I think, um, really ask for a lot of you know mulligans on is just like you know um, let's do this and oh yeah by the way again like in eighteen months we've de- developed psionic powers um, okay sure. <laughs> Um, but there, there were parts of this that you know kind of showed the progression that where you, you started with you know some things and then they actually took time and, and effort in order to master. Although the way they're developing them does make sense um, because so much of what you're developing is based on the alien technology, and that's what the whole idea is like. Okay, we've killed these guys. We're going to take them back. You're going to do an autopsy, or we've captured. Uh, these pieces of their equipment and they're going to strip them apart and we're going to reverse engineer them and figure them out. And, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, we've seen, you know, in our own history, a lot of times, you know, like, especially during a war, 
uh, one side has this breakthrough development, and then the other side very quickly is like, oh, you know, they get their hands on it, reverse engineer it, and figure out, you know, what's going on, and then they make their own copy of it. Sounds like cell phones. Yeah, well, it's like radar in World War II, right? You know, uh, you know, just <laughs> they had multiple times when you know one side would attack the other side just in order to. And, you know, grab things like Enigma machines and radar installations, and just to see where the other guy's level of tech is at. Right. And uh, you know, so they would. Uh, There's a few uh, captured fighter jets that have fallen sure. to that as well. I'm thinking U U2s and stealth technology, stealth jets. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Cool. This was really interesting. I think. I mean, the fact that. We're doing. You're talking strictly about a video game here, not a movie off of a video game, not even like uh, we've never done World of Warcraft because it's not science fiction. But World of Warcraft has a huge universe that's been built around the video game, and you can talk about the universe for eternity, which is why there's a movie coming out. Um, but you know, this one too, it, it's kind of all in the video game, and it's a really interesting. Scenario, And it's kind of a trope, a little bit. You know, aliens come to Earth, and we fight them, and we learn from them, and, you know, hopefully we win in the end, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's kind of a a um, tried and true, I suppose you could say, plot line. But it, it looked like a really interesting rendition of it. Um, so, I'm... It, is this... Is XCOM on all... Plat, what platforms is it on? Well, I've got a Mac, so it's on Mac and PC. It's on Steam. Uh, I don't think it's a console game. I don't think they have it on uh, Xbox no. or... Well, yeah, it, I think it's pretty much a computer game. Oh, awesome. I mean... <laughs> Uh-oh, Julie's going to... And like I say, I just need to uh, get rid of some of my other vices and play this game more... I gotten so far, and yeah, I kind of got my butt kicked. And that's the problem I have with video games. I need to get past that, and once I find the rhythm of the game and how you play it, then it gets a lot easier. I right. just got to get past well, that. But I will say one negative thing about it, which uh, which kind of I'll say save the game. Uh, don't be shy about saving. <laughs> save it as much as you oh, want. Yeah. And the other thing is, I. I I like to play. I will play through pretty much any game that I really like. I'll play it through on a fairly easy level, and then I like to go harder and harder. And this game, I have never played it on um, classic or impossible level. I've never played it all the way through because this game lies to you. <laughs> lies, <laughs> lies, lies. Because each time you line up a shot, it gives you a percentage chance to hit. Lies. <laughs> like, if they say 75% chance, especially on the classic or impossible difficulty, oh, 75%. Okay, three out of every four times, you know, it should, should hit. Lies. <laughs> you will miss all the time. And then you look, then they, of course, then if you miss, your, your guy's like, you know, his ass is hanging out in the air and then he's dead quickly. And so, yeah, I, uh, that is the one thing that I, I don't like about this game. And I actually, I saved it at one point just, just to like, okay, this, I should shoot this guy. I should, I have a, you know, a high percentage chance or whatever, 50, even a 50-50 chance, I can't remember. I've done it a few times where I'll save it before I take a shot and then I'll shoot. Oh, I missed. Shoot. And I keep track. And these percentages are for entertainment purposes only. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that yeah. was one of the th- one of the things I picked up watching that little uh, video, 107 Facts, that even if it says 100%, it lies, is what they were saying, that you could have 100% shot and you could still miss. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. Well, and I think they also said something to the fact, I think I got it right, that of the players that have played the, like I said, the classic or impossible, it was something like one point something percent, I think it was, have actually made it to the end. They said it was like incredibly hard. Hmm. Yeah, it's vi- like I can't imagine how you would could possibly do it without like you know doing the saving yeah. cheating thing. Like it would be pretty much impossible. Uh, they have an Iron Man mode where you can only save it once. Like, you can't go back to the previous save. Like, whatever you play through, that's what you're doing. And, you know, you stop there and you pick it up next time you're at the place that you left. And I don't know. I don't think how, how I don't see how you could play the game successfully through to the end uh, on anything but, like, the uh, first or second level. Like, it would be very, very, very hard. Um, it. Yeah, it would be very, very, very tricky. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Well, maybe I'll find some time to play for it after I'm done preparing for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any tech from XCOM that you guys would like? Psionic powers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be a good one. Um, I thought it was... Well, yeah. I'm just picturing right now. If I had psionic powers, I'd just be sitting there willing people to uh, bend over and pick up their own trash. But you know, <laughs> yeah. So says the uh, frustrated janitor. But uh, yeah, I guess I wouldn't mind some of those exo suits. They kind of looked interesting. So, but not where I have to cut off my limbs to wear them. You know, okay. Well, there's days, but you well, know. that's true. Right now, especially, <laughs> you can cut off my limbs. They're kind of useless anyway. Um, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Sci-Fi Tech Talk. You can check us out at scifitech.techtalk.com where we have some cool space junk available for purchase. Uh, you can pop into the forums there and take part in the conversation or follow us on Twitter at Sci-Fi Tech Talk. If you have ideas or comments, please send them to greetings at scifitechtalk.com. And reviews on iTunes are always welcome. Jeff, where can folks find you? People can follow me on Twitter at Bronco Sire. That's S-Y-E-R. And Mike, how about you? Uh, I can be found on Twitter at DSC Chipman, and I have my about.me page at about.me slash Mike McPeak. That's M-C-P-E-E-K. And I can be found on Twitter as well at Julie Keel, J-U-L-I-E-K-U-E-H-L. And links to the other blogs, podcasts, and whatever else I've got going on can be found at about.me slash Julie Keel. Next week, we're going to be covering the book, The Difference Engine, also getting outside of our comfort zones a little bit. Um, The Difference Engine is, in 1855, the Industrial Revolution is in full and inexorable swing, powered by steam-driven cybernetic engines. Charles Babbage perfects his analytical engine, and the computer age arrives a century ahead of its time. And three extraordinary characters race towards a rendezvous with history and the future. Sybil Gerard, a dishonored woman and daughter of a Luddite agitator, Edward Leviathan Mallory, explorer and paleontologist, Lawrence Oliphant, diplomat and spy. Their adventure begins with the discovery of a box of punched engine cards of unknown origin and purpose. Cards someone wants badly enough to kill for. That's it for this show, though. We'll see you in the future.
Yeah, this is sci-fi tech talk.